Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hello and welcome to The Parting Shot, your dose of everything pop culture. I'm H. Allen Scott. So today's episode is personal because, well, it's all about me, which feels very weird to say. You see, a couple of years ago, my story of converting from Mormonism to Judaism and then getting ready for my bar mitzvah was documented by a film crew and turned into the documentary Latter-day Jew. Well, now that film will soon be available to stream to rent to own on iTunes and Amazon and Google and basically any other place that you watch movies. So I figured maybe now was the time to share my story with you so you can get to know me a little bit better. I mean, you've heard me chat with all these celebrities this past year. Why not share a little bit more about what motivates me to be me and ask the questions that I do? Soon I'll be joined by writer, comedian, and my best friend, Elliot Glazer, who you probably know from Broad City and who was with me throughout my entire process of converting. But before we get to that, I feel like it's important to share with you a few of the key pivotal moments from my story, just so you have some context before my conversation with Elliot. You see, I was raised Mormon in a small town outside St. Louis, Missouri. Now, whenever people hear that I was raised Mormon, they just assume that I'm from Utah, but it's important to understand the history of Mormonism to understand why my family was in Missouri. So Mormons started in New York with Joseph Smith, and then they got kicked out of that place, and they went to the promised land, which was supposed to be Missouri. And then Joseph Smith got killed and they got kicked out of the promised land. And so Brigham Young took up the helm of the Mormon church and was like, the new promised land is Utah. And well, my family liked Missouri so much that we decided to stay. So that's why I'm from Missouri. Now, let me just say right here and now, I was never a good Mormon. (laughs) I was not a good Mormon. You see, Mormon kids get baptized at the age of eight, but not me. Why? They kept delaying my baptism because I had so many questions, which, let's be real, should have been the first sign that I'm a Jew, but I digress. My questions covered, you know, a whole lot of ground, but I was really confused by this obsessive focus on the afterlife or heaven. It didn't make sense to me. Like, why why are we spending so much time talking about this thing, this place that may or may not exist when we're like living here on Earth? Like, shouldn't we be spending more time on the Earth part and less time on the heaven part? It just didn't make sense in my head. And eventually, you know, they told well, they told me, like, you know, just have faith and just keep, you know, this is what this is just what we do. And I didn't buy any of that. But eventually I gave in and I was like, okay, mom, I'll get baptized. And I stopped asking questions and I became a Mormon. And the day I got baptized was literally in my head the last day I was Mormon, because after that, I just didn't engage anymore. I knew it wasn't for me. So I just kind of went on and lived my life and figured I would figure things out later on. And then in college, I started taking classes on religions, and it was during my study of the Jewish studies course that I realized so many of the questions that I had when I was a kid was being answered in my Jewish studies courses. And so I leaned into that, and I sort of got really invested in the Jewish community in Chicago, and then eventually in New York, where I moved to, and 
I just assumed that, you know, one day I would marry a Jew because I didn't think converting was even possible. I didn't even think Jews allowed that. Like, I just sort of was living a Jewish life without being Jewish and being surrounded by Jewish people like Elliot, my best friend, and other comics like Judy Gold, etc. And I was, you know, going to different temples and I was just participating in Jewish life in different ways. But I just assumed I would marry a Jew one day. And then life sort of had something else in store for me. When I turned 30, I got cancer and I knew I had a year of chemo and then another year of recovery ahead of me. And while dealing with all of that, I was like, well, why am I waiting for someone else to make me the Jew that I know that I am? Like, that's that seemed stupid. I've never waited for anybody else to do anything for me. So why am I going to wait for someone to do this for me? And I figured I didn't need anybody else. And so I did it on my own. And during chemo and the recovery process, I just started the process of converting. I found a temple, I studied, and then a couple of years later, I was officially a Jew and, for the record, cancer-free. Here's a bit of my conversation with comedian Judy Gold from the film Latter-day Jew about really what it means to be Jewish and why I wanted to do everything I did after I converted, especially have my bar mitzvah. Judy! What's going How on? are you? I'm good. Should we walk? We can walk. From the moment we met, you could see I'm obsessed with you. You were sort of a queen Jew. You're, you. you're, you, like, literally, when you think of Jew, I think of you. Here we go, Westside Jew, I call it's amazing. It. This is our Jew store. I'll come in with you okay. from here. Yeah. Okay. I'll text you. I'll let you know. All right. If you're no, yeah. I'm not kidding. Yes. I'm not. Now I, I, I swear to you. <laughs> this is like Jewville. It's people inside of there. They Loving don't this. realize that it's kosher. <laughs> How Jewish would you say you are right now? I feel really Jewy. Yeah. I'm proud yeah. to be a Jew. Yeah. Jewish is who I am. It's the way I think. It's what I eat. Yeah. It's how I look. Yeah. It's everything. That's yeah. who I, I am, a Jew. Like, yeah. look at me. Yeah. Um, You're a great one. Yeah. How many Jews live in here? Okay, let's go. No, yes, Klickstein, Schachter, yes, Rosenfeld, Gordon, Schachner. Yeah. I have a lot of friends who were born Jewish, but they sort of like distance themselves right, from... Right, because they don't appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. If you think about a bar bat mitzvah, when they say you're becoming an adult, Yeah. It really means that now we're ready to listen to your voice. Yeah. That's it, kind of a beautiful thing. Yeah. My father died when I was 27. And I was, I was a comic and I was on the road. I decided that I was going to say Kaddish for him wow. on Saturday mornings wherever I went. So yeah. I go to these places. It was so fascinating because I looked around and I was like, I know what's in these people's refrigerators. Yeah. I know what they're going to do when they leave here. Mm -hmm. They're singing the same songs I'm singing. Yeah. It was, it was... I don't know, I felt safe. So you have to come to my bar mitzvah. When is it? November 9th in Los Angeles. Okay, I'm planning on coming. Yes. But can I read out of the Torah? Yes, of course. Because I bet it's my you same thing. You literally could do anything I would do you it. want. I would do a little Aaliyah oh. where I read out of the Torah. Love you. I Thank love you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right. <laughs> All right, take it easy. Bye, Judy Gold. Get the kosher meal on the plate. <laughs> the film covers my path from, you know, conversion to my bar mitzvah. It's mostly about my getting ready for my bar mitzvah and why being Jewish is so important to me. And looking back on these past few years, I really only have positive feelings. I mean, even after chatting with Elliot Glazer for today's episode, I left the conversation feeling 
so proud of everything I did and proud of the person that I am and the Jew that I am today. It's not easy spending 30 some odd years of your life not really knowing who you are and just sort of bouncing around with identities, figuring out who you might be and what works for you and and finding that thing that works and being sort of grounded in who you are and your identity and living in my own truth and my identity. It's just it's just everything. And I'm so I'm so proud of myself. So go on and grab a snack because I'll be right back with my buddy Ellie Glazer to talk more about being Jewish and the film and all kinds of other Jewy wonderful things. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So, Elliot, if there's any person in the world who knows more about, well, just me in general, but also the Jewish side of me, it would be yeah. you as my best friend. I mean, correct? Correct. Yes, and I'm... I'm- I I'm very Jewish and uh, can't help it. So it's not necessarily even a choice. It just is. It just is. You just, you just emote Jewiness in a way that it's, it's part of your brand, which I think is probably what first, you know, uh, pushed us together as friends in a way. I think even I, even though I wasn't Jewish when we first met, because we first met when we were both doing comedy in New York and just sort of working the streets and working, not working the streets, but working the rooms and doing, <laughs> well, I mean, we might've been working the streets in different ways, but we were working the rooms and sort of doing different things. And I wasn't even Jewish yet. When you first met me, did you think that that would ever happen? <laughs> I didn't. Did I think you would convert? Yeah. Um, I guess it never really crossed my mind that you would convert, but I think like a lot of people, you imbibed, new york isms mm-hmm. uh, you know you certainly like fit in there i mean mm-hmm. you fit into the, the city in a way that seemed effortless to me and if you told me that you were from there or from yeah. the tri-state area i would i wouldn't have you know thought twice about it and, um, definitely, and that is a jewish quality if you fit in in new york like a new yorker the default i think for most of america is oh they're probably jewish well i think there's a there's a i'm trying to look for this this quote of uh, Lenny Bruce's that I can't find, but it was something like not everyone who's Jewish is in New York, but everyone who's in New York is Jewish or something along those lines where it's like, yeah, it just permeates. It just is a part of the culture. And I mean, I never considered really converting in New York. I mean, I I kind of did in some parts, but like it almost felt too on the nose, if you will, for New York in a way, if I was like to convert in New York, I had assumed that it would be, like I would get married to some Jewish person and probably and do that because I was leading a Jewish life. I was, you know, I had Jewish friends and I was going to to temp. I belonged to a temple and I was sort of doing Jewish things, but I wasn't actively 
Jewish. Yeah. Wait, you were going to temple before? Yeah, I you- went to. I, I yes, I went to this one time. I mean, I didn't go like regularly, regularly, but I supported this one, the LGBTQ uh, temple on the west side. And it was it was nice to go and sort of, you know, experience the process. And it was sort of me dipping my toes into yeah. like what it would entail when I eventually did that. But it wasn't yeah. it was still um, it was still very much like a foreign world to me, you know. Of course, yeah. Although I remember, I think I went to that that temple a couple of times because my mom was like, "You should go. You'll meet. You could meet a nice man." You know, it was the whole. <laughs> well, that was the other reason why I went too to meet men. Of course, yeah. And it was just very like lovely and very I don't know grounded and and comforting. But I've never been like a a go to temple regularly kind of guy. Yeah, I, you know, I grew up going on the, the high holy days, mm-hmm. um, the high holiday holidays. Yeah. Holidays, I guess you could say. Um, but ultimately, like I I wasn't necessarily going regularly, but I think like a lot of millennials and probably Gen Z, it's like there's a cultural affectation and a cultural warmth that I think I'm attracted to in Judaism over the sort of by the books, um, dogmatic elements. And I think a lot of people would agree. Yeah, I mean that's that was my path to it. I mean, after, you know, the years of being Mormon, but then also the years of not being Mormon and sort of not really ever understanding that sort of really the dogmatic Christian elements of Christianity sometimes and really embracing yeah. the the community aspects of Judaism, because that's really where sort of my thoughts and thinkings and everything was sort of in line with what was being taught, I guess, in Judaism and what I was experiencing in the Jewish crowds and the Jewish things that I would go to. It was all very much like oh, well, this makes sense to me. This is like, this is everything that all those questions that I had when I was younger were sort of being answered in small moments of talking with you and knowing your family, but also going to a different temple or being backstage with Judy Gold at a show and just randomly talking about stuff. Like, I think inherently, like you're a journalist, you're a comedian, you're and you do, you're a performer. So your life and your natural instincts are to ask questions and observe human nature. Yeah. And so Judaism is about questions and healthy criticism and being curious about the world in a way that is not necessarily feel fearful. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just not, it's not fear-based. It's about being curious and wanting to know and learning you know it's all it's all about learning and education and i mean it's so funny when people are people who are anti-semitic or or just ignorant think that jews are like running like world banks at the center of the world the center of the earth and i'm like no everyone's like a bookworm pretty much or like (laughs) or there's an element of just like curiosity that i think permeates so much of the culture that yeah of course you were going to be drawn to it your experiences with mormonism that i've learned were so restrictive and like mm-hmm. they're really you can't really ask questions and there's just such a there's a heavy parameter around the history of mormonism that mm-hmm. still knocked me out when you explained it to me yeah i mean it is one of those things that like i mean you know me in my nature i ask questions i get to know yeah. things i try to understand things i try to tell a story through questions and answers and all of the things and I, that was exactly it. Growing up, I was asking all these questions about Mormonism and not they were sometimes answered, but they weren't the answers that I thought were correct or right. they Half either answered. just weren't answered at all. And they were just sort of like, you just have to accept this. This is just the way it is. And I'm like, well, nothing is ever just the way it is. Like, you yeah. know, which in retrospect is the Jewish response to a question of 
it's just the way it is. Like, you know, it's, there's seven different answers. Why is always seven different answers? Did you go to, I mean, cause you obviously, you know, got bar mitzvahed and yeah. that was clearly important to you. Did you go to bar mitzvahs as a kid in St. Louis? Never. I went, well, I, yes, I went to one. Um, and, and cause there weren't that many Jews in my school. Like right. there was just one. And even at that bar mitzvah, I, and you've heard this story, but I'll say it again. I, it, it somehow like solidified my place in my brain that I'm a funny person because my mother told me that they were circumcising the boy at the bar mitzvah because she knew that I knew nothing of Judaism or what happened at a bar mitzvah. And so I went to the bar mitzvah and being me, being the talker that I am, the person, I'm not a gossiper, but the person that I am, I had to tell every single person that this kid was about to get circumcised in front of us. And of course, these are all non-Jews too. These are all people in my school who are also just sort of oh like, well, God. we don't know what this is. So everyone thought this kid was about to get circumcised. But then I start to panic because I don't want to see someone get circumcised. Like I just don't yeah. want to. And I go up to his mother and I say that I can't see him get circumcised. And then she took me to a group <laughs> of women sitting at a table and just told me to say exactly what I had just said. And I did. And they all bust up laughing and I was mortified but at the at the same time, I also was like, I secretly got off on it because like I killed, like it was like a funny joke. Like I didn't know what the joke was, but your were, mom, she was pranking you, right? Fully. My mom had pranked me so much over the years because I am the most gullible person in the world. Like I had yeah. a teacher once we were doing Diary of Anne Frank in, in high school and they told me that he was going to do it set in the future as like a futuristic play. And like in yeah. space or something. And I believed him for a good few days. Oh my God. And Frank in space. <laughs> I was preparing how I was going to play Mr. Von Don as a space alien, basically. Oh my God. <laughs> was, what about like, at least in terms of having your own bar mitzvah, yeah. why was that, you know, you converted and then pretty quickly had a bar mitzvah. So yeah. why was that step so important to you? It was this weird, like, because in Mormonism, when you get baptized, you get baptized in front of your entire family. And it's a big deal. It's a it's a big well, family and friends in the church. Basically, you're in a bathtub, you get dunked in this bathtub and you get presented to everyone in a, in a very clingy white see through robe situation. And it's a very public thing. And in a weird way, I think the bar mitzvah was also similar to that, not in the embarrassing part, but in the it was important for me to make a statement to say, I mean, I I could have just like converted and have it be the thing. I don't need a bar mitzvah. I was, you know, 30 something. I didn't need like a bar mitzvah at that age, but I, I, uh, I, it was important for me to sort of make a statement of like, this is who I am. Because I think in a lot of ways, like one of the hardest things for me being a convert is that there's this sort of like, like, um, I mean, it's just the same thing with being a gay Mormon, too. Like, you feel like you don't fit in. You feel like you're just this weird anomaly in the mix of this community that you're supposed to be a part of. But yet, like, you were born into it. You had all of the trappings of, like, the mom and the going away to camp, even though you were terrified of camp. And, like, going, like, all of the things, you know, like, you had all of the Jewish things that I'll never have because you were born yeah. into it. And so there is this sort of sense of, like, how am I going to be legitimate? You know, like, how do I legitimize yeah. this? And the bar mitzvah kind of did that in a lot of ways. Yeah, kind of like a coming out thing, like the way a debutante is sort of. Yeah, yeah. Like, right, like a coming coming out or something like when the debutante is 
at a debutante's ball is like released from her father's embrace. <laughs> I don't even, I don't even know. It's all like so goyish. Well, I mean, and at my bar mitzvah, I definitely had that debutante moment by being um, pushed <laughs> in on this massive throne and having like a 12 foot challah bread. Yeah, the, as, the biggest challah I'd ever seen. Yeah. Which I mean, not a euphemism, but thank you. Um, <laughs> People braided 12 long, 12, 12, 12 foot 12 foot yeah i think it was 12 foot yeah if i remember right yeah it was it was uh, it was a big holla let's just be let's yeah just say it. but it was i mean i had to make it splashy of course and i had to do all the things because that's just me and that's what i do with everything i do but it is sort of i don't know because i had to, i had heard your bar mitzvah story which felt very i mean well tell me like what did you like about your bar mitzvah there wasn't that much you liked about it right no i mean for me it was like we were like our family business was sort of struggling and we were sort of, you know, middle class at that point. Um, I mean, we've always been like, you know, mid middle classers, I would say, you know, yeah. retro, you know, uh, contextually speaking, but um, you know, we didn't belong to a big uh, fancy Long Island temple. We belonged to a, a smaller one yeah. um, that was considered secular. So it was like, there was, you know, it was it, or my Hebrew school was secular. It wasn't at a temple. It was sort of like its own, um, its own almost like nonprofit that took place at a community college on the weekends. Mm. So it wasn't really traditional in that sense. It was secular and there was language and culture taught and all that stuff, but it wasn't like you're just learning Hebrew and that's, and, and that that's it. So yeah. it was not very, there wasn't like doctrine per se mm -hmm. so my bar mitzvah was an outgrowth of that in that it was like i didn't learn a haftorah portion in hebrew and recite it i learned and studied a haftorah portion and basically did like a presentation on it in english to the people at my the congregation and my family and friends or whatever almost like a book report explaining like why this haftorah what i learned from this haftorah portion yeah so it was sort of you know uh, it, it wasn't like hippie-ish per se but it was just kind of like it was a little orthodox yeah it was different. You know, orthodox and and for whatever it's worth when a lot my sister you know four years four years younger was turning 13 my parents were like nope you're going to like my grandparents were like no we're sending her to regular hebrew school and she's getting a bat mitzvah and did the normal thing because mine was probably sort of like a a, a, a test mission was it a that, letdown to them in a way the letdown, you know, I, I don't think Alana was like, I'm dying to go to Hebrew school. I think there was just like a, I think there was just probably a desire to have the more formulative experience, yeah. you know, and, and, and maybe it was to appease my grand, my paternal grandparents, my maternal grandparents couldn't have cared less, but, but my paternal grandparents probably were more along the lines of being like, we want to see, you know, we want to see the real thing. You know, I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure there was an element of that too. So yeah. I, I don't know. Um, but mine was, yeah, mine was a little bit unorthodox and did I enjoy it? Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess I enjoyed it. I, I don't remember much about it other than being, than finding out like somebody, one of the girls got like fingered in the bushes or oh something. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, no, not my bar mitzvah. No, that's, that's what delinquents do. Oh, I was really God. upset. <laughs> really upset. I would be too. I'm so yeah. glad that did not happen in my bar mitzvah. Oh my um, God. The only thing that, 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 com that compares to is the cake we had or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's no, there was there's like video that is from my bar mitzvah. And I just remember this one really iconic clip of like all the moms doing the Macarena together. <laughs> but they're all wearing like the same sort of 
Laura Ashley, like neck to that sort of like baby doll dress from the early <laughs> yes. 90s, but like, fonts, you know, mm-hmm. like almost yeah. yearning for Zion ranch style. <laughs> <laughs> well, what did you, I mean, it's the weirdest thing. What I think from about my bar mitzvah is that, and one thing that I'm grateful for is that like, you had no choice in the matter. You were kind of yeah. like in the direction of your parents and everything, which is great yeah. if you're born Jewish, but I chose everything. So even though yeah. I can like sometimes have this moment of like feeling out of place in Jewish circles or feeling like the, the imposter syndrome, if you will, there sure. is also the element of like, no, I chose this. So like, because yeah. I chose this as an adult who has a full, I'm a full sound mind and body, even though some people might say different, I, I at least feel like then I can actively commit myself to being Jewish because I did it as a choice. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's like, sure. it's like in a weird and way. Nobody would, I don't think anybody would tell you otherwise. And yeah. if they did, I'd beat them up, but I don't think any, <laughs> but I don't think anybody could. Yeah. It's this weird, but even when I was going through the conversion process, like, cause you had moved out here to Los Angeles. And one of the things that I was blown away by my, conversion process and the whole bar mitzvah and just sort of me being a Jew is that the, my Jewish friends around me, it felt like they were getting more invested in being Jews as an adult because they were, it was, they were seeing Judaism in a different light because I was approaching it in my own kind of way. Yeah. And I can't, obviously I can't speak for everybody, but I do think that there's this, especially remember that one time we went to Shabbat dinner at Bevan's house. Yes, 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 yes. And Bevan's like, you know, I would, she'd probably call herself like a radical fairy. That's like her vibe. She's incredible. She does these, I mean, Bevan is one of the, I mean, I'll post her link in the, in the bio of this episode's show notes, but she does a lot of sort of like very sort of um, fat positivity in terms of working out. And, but she's also very spiritual and she believes in sort of the spectrum of spirituality and all of the, all the amazing, wonderful, and some people might say crazy things that are sort of about spirituality. And she had an amazing sort of Shabbat at her place. He did. And it was and it was just like one of those moments where I'm like, oh, this is like a very um, uh, this is a very uh, out of the box sort of eccentric take on Shabbat. But not only was it in, just fun yeah. and it was an, an entertaining, it was like, oh, right. Like, this is why I think adults and like people our age were excited by your conversion, but also are might be in you know invested in Judaism as they get older in that it's like the lack of judgment and the ability to um not just question but like interpret mm-hmm. the way Bevan did at that Shabbat dinner was so uh wild and yet so thoughtful and specific mm-hmm. and spiritual and I think you know in a world that gets harder with, when you get older and just that is hard to live in in general mm-hmm. when you can kind of grab onto that that knowledge that you belong to this thing, mm-hmm. whether you converted to it or not, it provides a sense of warmth and community and protection, you know, spiritually speaking, that I think you might not get if you came from a background where, you know, everything was super dogmatic and strict and it like Catholicism is so guilt, not that Judaism isn't, is not without guilt, but of course, but like, just, you know, the, the darkest corners of so many Christian and Catholic and militant religions to me has always seemed to, I don't know, manifest itself in people being angry or scared or, mm-hmm. or mean. They think they're, you know, they they pride themselves on being good Christians or whatnot. And then yeah. they're terrible to people. And, and 
just so awful. And I, and so anyway, all that to say that I think it's the warmth of Judaism as an adult is probably attractive to people who are like, Oh, I never, you know, like me who, who took it for granted as a kid, as kids will take a lot of things for granted. And then as an adult, when you realize, Oh, I, I have this, this sort of sandbox to play in and there are no rules except that I can just stay in the sandbox. Mm -hmm. Then like, Hey, you want to engage in that. It sort of adds meaning to your life. and, uh, And it's, it's it's rewarding it doesn't take doesn't take from you i was just thinking the other day and you and i've talked about this before and we've talked about it with our good friend jay cohen about sort of like to me the power of shabbat that to me is the most exciting part about being jewish other than just being jewish in the community and everything but like shabbat is just and i was just explaining this to um my boyfriend michael his sisters were in town and we were driving through uh, yeah, the West side and it was sort of post Shabbat and you saw all the Jews coming out and sort of, you know, doing the things that they do and sort of Melrose area and stuff. And, and to me, I was just saying how, like what I love about Shabbat so much is that it doesn't have to necessarily be religious, even though there is a religious component to it, but it also fundamentally at its source, it is about stopping stopping yes. the chaos of life, stopping the chaos of work, stopping the chaos of everything outside of your life that that is sort of irrelevant and taking stock of the good things of the good yes. things of the week and saying I'm going to just actively be here either by myself or with other people and have this Shabbat service or dinner or whatever you want it to be and just gather with people and just like relax and just and just yeah. I mean just to be frank but like shut the fuck up and just calm down and eat some yeah. challah bread and good food and just calm down and it does so much good, I think, for the soul that I think it's one of the things that is like, if we're if we're trying to do an advertising campaign, if you want to get non-Jews to like participate in more Jewish things, just tell them about Shabbat. And I feel like a lot of people will jump on board. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's like, like I used to go to Shabbat sometimes on Friday nights with my dad to our temple, which was incredibly reform. But there was just such a calmness there that I think we just enjoyed so much together because it was just like truly about chilling, calming down, like taking stock of your week. You know, you, the rabbi would talk and there'd be like communal aspects to it. But again, it's like it's not um, it really is about like t- like sitting down, breathing and being, you know, grateful for being alive. But in a way that's not it's not so uh, it's not so um it, I don't know, out, out there per se. Yeah. Just very grounded. It's a very grounded, relaxing experience. And whether you're doing it in that way, or you're doing it at like, you know, Bevan's Bevan's house, or you're doing it in an Orthodox temple where I'm sure it's very different. Yeah. You know, it all, it all does kind of come down to the same tenet, Mm -hmm. which is about taking stock of where you are and just trying to relax. Yeah. You know, I was the other day or a few episodes ago on this podcast, I spoke with, um, uh, Jonathan Rumi, who he's the star, he plays Jesus in this this show, The Chosen. And we were talking about how, like, we have nothing in common. You know what I mean? Like, we are two very different types of people. He's very much a devout Catholic and he's very Christian. And 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 I was and he's you know, but he's very respectful and everything is great. And we have a great back and forth. And I told him I'm like, and I'm a gay Jew. I will be literally there's not much there's not much common ground in terms of sort of how we see life. But as I'm as I was talking to him, I was thinking like. 
Well, there actually is a lot of common ground in terms of just like the fundament. I mean, sure, there might be certain things that we disagree on, but the fundamentals of like, be a good person, calm down, be there for other yeah. people, be, be of service to other people. Like to me, those aren't religious tenets. They are just like good things and how you be a good person in the world. And yeah. But, but sometimes religion tends to some religion yeah. tends to really muck it up by making it about something else. Even yeah. if they pretend that it's not yeah. they talk about being a good person, then this element of judgment comes into play or proselytizing. And it becomes, yeah. it all becomes about, it comes, but becomes about nothing but judgment. Yeah. All you do is judge others. And Judaism hasn't to me again, just to me at least, but it's never felt like that. It's never mm-hmm. been about proselytizing. And I think that alone is probably one of my favorite things about it is that there's never been an inherent pressure to try to win people over or like yeah. woo them in. Um, and, and that's you know, the foundation of Mormonism. I mean, that literally is I was going to say like that, like the story you told me that I still remember of like missionaries coming to your mom's house yeah. when you, you weren't even living at home or anything, but they no. came to your mom's house to like, I guess, encourage her to, disown you or yeah basically i mean just to kind of just to kind of like get me on the right path if you will because you were gay yeah and also but the thing is they went because i was i mean my mom says this and i think this is probably true they went because i was popular like i was i was doing things in a public sense i was writing i was performing i was like getting attention and i think then that becomes i mean this is just my opinion who knows if this is true Maybe it's just my vanity here, but he, they, they went because I don't think they wanted me to say the things that I was saying. But the thing is, I don't have that much. I don't have many bad things to say about Mormonism other than I don't agree with it. You know what I mean? Like, but ultimately like the idea that these people sent missionaries to your mom's house to essentially bully her so that she would do something that was unkind and try to trick you and manipulate you back into the religion. It's like, those are so many steps to take so many steps to take to make your life harder. Yeah. Yeah. And for, and for no really, no really good reason. Mm-hmm. And that to me is where I'm like, thank God, you know, Jews aren't looking to, <laughs> people may hate us, but no, we're not trying to like convert people. But, and also too, I mean, like even when I was a kid and the prospect of going on a mission, my only thought was like a mission is a trip that Mormons go on when they're younger to proselytize the the teachings of the book of Mormon. And, um, and to get people to come to Mormonism, I, my own, literally all I thought was like, okay, well, if I do this mission, maybe they'll put me somewhere like fun and I could just go be big and gay in like Berlin or something. And that could be like a good out for me, if you will, like a free vacation. Why not? Like it was weird because, well, like one of my last questions that I, I want to ask you is like now there's, there's, and you know, we're both Jews doing things like whatever, but there is a difference though, when you're a public Jew, when, yeah. When you not only sort of are just Jewish in entertainment, but you publicly wear being a Jew as sort of a part of your public persona or your identity. And it's something you do definitely with and not just being on Broad City, but just in general, you, you're you're very open about being Jewish. I, of course, am very open about being Jewish. I'm thinking of Jake, even though he's like Jake Cohen, even though he's just like a, a baker cook, he still is. His books are very focused on being Jewish Prideful. and yeah. pride, taking pride in being Jewish. What like. I mean, I know my own things, but like what has been some of the struggles or the complexities of being a public Jew, if you will? Um, I don't know if it, it's it's always sort of been the same thing for me, which is it, it wasn't necessarily 
I don't know if it got um, worse, quote unquote, with becoming, you know, with becoming more more public. But there is and always has been this very creepy sentiment that I find of people thinking <laughs> of a Jew as someone like me or you, but like in my case, if I'm in a pu- sort of public sense, they they act like you're an alien or, yeah. in a way that's not, it's not meant to be mean. It's not meant to be ostracizing or, or even negative, but it's like they talk about Judaism or Jewishness in a way that's <laughs> like you are genuinely, an alien from another planet and when and i guess it's only happened more since i've become more public but i still remember having the same feeling even as a kid on long island which is quite obviously like has plenty of jews Mm -hmm. and remember being the only jewish kid in my class and showing everybody how to use a dreidel and i remember even then feeling like it's a weird it was a weird dynamic to be like showing them this toy that they couldn't really yeah sure or like didn't think twice about it but it it is that that has been a persistent um stick like sticking point for me forever especially as as my profile has gotten more public is the idea of like oh you're a jew what is that again yeah and they don't i'm like and i mean in a weird way in a weird way i think growing up mormon prepared me for being a jew you know a jew now at this point in my life even a gay jew or a public jew because there aren't a lot of Mormons either. And so like wherever I went and I told someone I was Mormon when I was a kid, there would be that line of questioning. They would think it was weird. They asked how many moms I had. They would like, they would ask like the craziest of questions. And now being a a public Jew in the public space, it, it is, I get of course the anti-Semitisms and I get the weird comments and DMS and all kinds of crazy things, which I think are par for the course for the internet, but which is so sad and upsetting, but it is, um, but yeah. the, the weird thing that I get now is that when people find out I'm Jewish, it almost like I get the sense that questions in their head are like, oh, well, now it makes sense. And I'm like, so were you judging me before? Like, there is this sort of like uh, misunderstanding of sort of I'm still I'm still kind of shocked that Seinfeld was one of the is one of the biggest shows in history in that mm-hmm. so many it's so literate to so many people. And yet you know, as, as, as popular as it was and as much of a cultural institution as it became, I still feel like it didn't necessarily translate, not that they were trying to, but it didn't necessarily translate Jewiness, New York Jewiness as broadly as I maybe suspected I, it did because I grew up in New York or because I was surrounded by Jews. Whereas, you know, the show's a mega popular, culturally ubiquitous thing that everyone knows. And yet, I don't even I, I would venture to say that there are probably people who have watched it many times who love it, who still would have a similar response to like, oh, you're Jewish. Tell me about that. Like, what is yeah. that again? Or like what you have like it, asking a question that just link like hinges on inappropriate hinges on offensive. Yeah. Well, there's also a subversive sort of nature to Jewish comedy, because for so sure. long in entertainment, you could you could have Jewish comedy, but it couldn't be Jewish comedy. So like when I was growing up and you were growing up too, we had like B. Arthur, Bette Midler, and even Barbara Streisand in a way. And all although they are all very, very Jewish, yeah. the roles that they play and the things that they do aren't necessarily Jewish. And so it's like we get we get this sort of we get the Jewish jokes and we as Jews understand it. And that's why when I was like 
so shocked when I grew up and I learned that B. Arthur and Bette Midler and all these people were Jewish. I and I loved them so much. It was almost like I got it. It was like, oh, well, that's why yeah. then, because I was a Jew and I get that now I get it. But for a lot of people, I don't think that they get that they're Jewish. They just think that they're just sort of like a weird anomaly. That's, you that's know? it. And even as a kid, like I was obsessed with and Mike Myers would do Linda Richmond. Yes, and same. I was obsessed, you know, probably because I'm gay, but also like she reminded me so much of my grandma and my grandma's friends and like. But I also just love the character. And so I went back and like kind of went down a rabbit hole watching them recently. And I was like, I cannot believe that Mike Myers, who's like a clearly not Jewish, yeah. like William from Canada, was who was impersonating his mother-in-law. I cannot believe that he was introducing like Yiddish terms, yeah. like as a huge SNL character, mm-hmm. because at the same time, I, I think you're, you make your point so clearly. As much as they love that character, I don't think they knew they all knew what it was in fact i think less than more people knew what that character was was doing Mm -hmm. but i knew every element of her her brooch her hair the art behind her was this art i literally in my house like she was the the world that i knew and yet when people would say like reclaimed i'm like oh my god you don't know what that is but i figured you would because you're invested in this character but here we are later and i'm watching it all these years later and i'm like I still don't think, in spite of the Linda Richmonds and the Seinfelds and the B. Arthurs and yeah. Ben Millers of the world. Fran Drescher. It's not the same. It's Yeah, Fran Drescher. It doesn't compute for everybody. Well, and that's why I think it's so important, in my personal opinion, to be sort of like, you know, doing what you and I do and other actors and, and writers and comedians and, you know, influencers do in that you can put your comedy out there and your comedy might have an element of sort of Jewish humor to it. But now the difference is the Jewish part is at front and center. It's out. It's there. You're not going to be denying the Jewish part. So like, and it makes, which is why I thought like just even on broad city or other things and other things that have happened and then come out these past few years, being Jewish is not just a part of the character. It's also a part of the character's life in a way it's a part and you see it as a part of their life. And I think that will go hopefully exactly. will lead to sort of changes in sort of Jewish portrayals in a lot of ways. Also, I want to say, I, to this day, because of Linda Richmond, to this day, I cannot hear the state of Rhode Island and not say immediately afterward, Rhode Island's neither a road nor an island. Discuss. I can't do it. I can't like I can't. The Rhode Island to me is not a state. It is a joke that Linda Richmond came up with. Oh, good. It's so good. Or she would. I love when she said, Kristen Scott Thomas, pick a name. <laughs> <laughs> what that's, gender are you? Pick a, pick a name. <laughs> that's probably what people think about me too <laughs> why do you have you have h as a first name what that doesn't make sense you're not gonna yeah. know why oh elliot thank you for doing this where oh, can people you. follow you on the internet and um can confess that they're jewish too sure you can follow me at elliot glazer i'm mostly on i guess instagram at yeah. this point um and uh yeah, I have a Comedy Central digital series called Two Jews Choose, where I interview <laughs> Jewish celebrities and we try to differentiate between whether something is Jewish or Goyish. And that's available on Comedy Central. And we'll link that in this episode's bio as well. Thank you so much, Elliot. Thank you. I'll be honest, it was very weird talking about myself, which, you know, usually isn't a problem for me. <laughs> but for some reason, <laughs> this one was uh, interesting for me. So I'm 
I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned a little bit more about me. And, you know, hey, maybe watch the movie if you like it. Latter-day Jew. It'll soon be available to rent to own and all the other things on lots of different streaming platforms everywhere. Just do the thing that you know to do. Google, Google, Google. And thanks for listening to Newsweek's Parting Shot. I hope you're able to leave a little rating and review about this episode wherever you're listening. And you can even leave comments on Spotify now, which is so much fun. So if you're listening to this on Spotify, leave a comment immediately about this episode. I would appreciate that. I want to know your feedback. And for the latest news and podcasts, head to Newsweek.com and follow Newsweek on all the social platforms. And while you're at Newsweek, subscribe to Newsweek's For the Culture newsletter. It's fun. It comes from me twice a week. It's lots. You'll love it. Until then, watch something fun and have a great day. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Download speeds up to one gigabit per second. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply.